A second reading comes from Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40. It's all also printed in your bulletin, but I'll be actually reading from the New International Version. <clears throat> Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. A word from the Lord. So good morning. God is good, God's grace is sufficient, and God's mercies endure forever and ever. I'm so grateful to have been invited back to 7th Avenue um, and to see many of you who I get to see annually at the Companions Retreat. And so I do bring you greetings from Allen Temple Baptist Church, where I serve. And I also just want to acknowledge the presence of my husband, Inatan Adesanya, who's here with me. And uh, I'm grateful for that. Will you pray with me? Hmm. Gracious God, Lord, we've come together and gathered in this assembly to hear a word from you, a word that each of us might take individually and collectively in to us and out into the world. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. Dear Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love lifted me, love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me, love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else would help Love lifted me. The command to love. Today's sermon, as divinely put on my heart, is to consider the breath of love, this biblical command to love, as both law and gospel, as both rule and good news, right? I don't know about you, but at Allen Temple, I often find that in Sunday school and Bible study, you know, we, we, we talk about and discuss the law that we find in the Old Testament versus the good news that we find in the New Testament, the 
Hebrew scriptures versus the Christian scriptures. We debate about it sometimes. Today's text presents an opportunity for us to consider both the law and the gospel in tandem together. And so let us consider first the law. Let us revisit a portion of that which was found in our first reading. We find very clearly, very clearly, what is not to be done. It is clear also who is instructing us. Don't don't go back and pick up all the scraps. Leave them, share, provide. Don't be selfish. Don't steal, very clear. Don't lie. (laughs) Don't deceive anyone. I almost feel like I wish I was standing on the Senate floor right now. (laughs) But this isn't about politics, right? Don't swear falsely using my name, violating the name of your God. I am God, the text says. Don't exploit your friend or rob them. Don't pervert justice. Don't show favoritism to either the poor or great. Judge on the basis of what is right. Judge on the basis of what is right. Don't spread gossip or rumors. It's so plain. It's so direct. Don't just stand by when you know your neighbor is in danger. I am God, says. Don't secretly hate your neighbor. We know that what happens in our hearts and our minds has already occurred. Don't secretly hate your neighbor. If you have something against them, get it out into the open. Otherwise, you're an accomplice in their guilt. Don't seek revenge or carry a grudge against any of your people. And who is your people? Love your neighbor as yourself. Again, reminded, I am God speaking. (laughs) I don't know if that was intentional, but okay. If it had been the sunlight, I would have really trembled a little bit. The only affirmative command in this text is love your neighbor as yourself. The others are don't do this, don't do this, and don't do this, but love your neighbor as yourself. Indeed, in the final verse, one finds neighbor no longer connected with those that might be considered other. And so we talked about who is your people? Um, neighbor becomes um, a part of the dominant group, a part of one's own family, um, no longer the other. 
in this text. You shall not hate any one of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor or you will be incur guilt yourself, is what the text said. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Neighbor is now identified as those who are kin and are part of the whole of God's people. Part of the whole of God's people. So the book of Leviticus, which means the book of laws, was written between 1440 and 1400 before Common Area. And to summarize, it instructs people, this particular section, instructs people to be honest in their dealings with each other, with one another, in their financial dealings, in the courts, and in the fields, in all of life so that they might create a community in which people can be trusted. Can you trust your neighbors? In which laws are not just empty words, but where everyone can live safely. Can live safely. You know, I was, I was meeting with, with, with a consultant just yesterday, my husband and I, about um, educate academics on one of our kids and, and we were talking about different programs and, and, the, and the matter came up that my young black son in this world today, I can't just look at the, the qualities of a program, I've got to now look at the demographics and the location and the, because it might not be safe for him just because he's not being considered a neighbor in God's terms, by some of our brothers and sisters in our nation. And so let's move to the gospel. Fast forward, common area, after the coming of the Christ. The gospel writers, the evangelists, had the task of interpreting the teachings of Jesus for the Church of Christ, capital C. And so our text appears in Matthew um, as one of the synoptic or parallel gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and sometimes John. They were written at different times for different communities. And so the evangelists in the gospel of Mark um, interpreted this particular text, this particular word, um, as a missionary objective. Um, never using the, the, the term agape, which is sort of unconditional love. It's not, filet, it's not um, romantic love or brotherly love, but um, unconditional love for all and all of God's creation. Um, but it had more of a missionary um, objective, uh, prescribing the command to love sort of as, a, as charity and compassion for the other. The Gospel of Luke, the evangelist who wrote that particular gospel at the time that it was written, presented the command to love as the chief guide for Christian conduct, similar to the law, the way that we who follow Jesus are supposed to behave. In the Gospel of Matthew, the evangelist presents love as the key 
to the interpretation and meaning of the law. Um, it, in a way that, it was, that it's presented as the foundation or the uh, formative um, um, prescription in the teachings of Jesus. In other words, without this, all the others, you know, um, are sort of baseless. It's like love is the foundation. And so what do we know? We know that we are to love God completely with our heart, our soul, and our minds. Our heart, our soul, that means all of who we are, and our minds, intellectually. We should love God completely. We're to love our, ourselves, our neighbors as ourselves, which means we have to love ourselves, right? Um, in Matthew, I found that the great, this great commandment is, is essentially already obeyed as we live in love with those we encounter daily in the world. And so some, I've, I've, I've had conversation and some, and some say, well, what if I don't love myself? How can I love my neighbor? We have challenging times in our lives where we, you know, um, we're our own worst critic. Um, we're disappointed in ourselves. We've done something that we're not proud of and we haven't forgiven ourselves. Well, what if I don't love myself? Am I to love my neighbor as I love myself? What we're learning is that through your actions in dealing with others in the world, all of God's creation, you are, if you're, if you're encounter, uh, uh, approaching those encounters in love, that in, itself, in and of itself is loving yourself, right? There isn't some other special thing that you have to do um, to separate those. They come together. There are well over 200 verses and teachings on love in the Bible that I counted. <laughs> and so let, let, I just want to look, I want to share a few of them to, to deepen our thinking for this moment about the breadth of love, about how wide this teaching on love is in our sacred text. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, we find these, and it's just a few. You shall love the Lord, and you'll, you'll notice some of these um, are very commonly taught and um, spoken um, prophetically. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul. And, and uh, Mark and Luke say with all, not Mark, anyway, the other Gospels say with all your strength, with all your might as well. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever, forever. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations, to all generations, forever. This, this sense of eternal eternity. For love is strong as death, passion fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, 
a raging flame. Consider that, love. I mean, in California, that's not hard to envision, a raging flame. That's how strong love is. Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can floods drown it. This is what was said about love thousands of years ago. In the New Testament, in the Christian scriptures, often called the Christian scriptures, we find, for God to love the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that anyone and everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for another. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Imagine that. If we could just get up every day and clothe ourselves with love, despite whatever else is going on, despite what happened yesterday, despite what we have to face today, but clothe ourselves with love and contribute to that which would bind us together in perfect harmony. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and knowledge, and I've been to seminary for eight years straight and have all the faith and belief in the world so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, says I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude never selfish. Love is not irritable, <laughs> and he keeps and keeps no record of being wronged. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures again through every circumstance. Love is consistent. Love never ends. And now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, say it with me, and the greatest of these is love. And so what is the good news? God gives each one of us with our own unique set of skills and abilities so that God can use us in the manifestation of God's will in this world. God's will is gleaned most clearly in God's greatest command. 
to love God and to love our neighbors. In 1 John 3 and 16, we, you know, it explains how to know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Yeah, that sounds strong, but that's love. Jesus tells us in the Gospels who our neighbor is in the parable of the Good Samaritan along the Jericho Road. Jesus affirms that the one who showed mercy to the contaminated, marginalized, and disinherited stranger was indeed the neighbor, and that we must go and do likewise. When God shows us mercy, God does so in spite of ourselves, our situations, and yes, even our sins. As followers of Christ, our charge is to intentionally put ourselves out so that the wounds of the broken or the would-be broken might be healed. Imagine that each and every one of us, cloth or no cloth, required to put ourselves out to heal others. When all else fails, love endures. Love never, ever ends. And so love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, both law and gospel. Love lifts. Amen.